Conscious Collaboration brings together entrepreneurs, changemakers, and thought leaders. We aim to highlight the people that embody the idea of aligned mind, body, and business. Each week, we share, discuss, and learn from the various experiences and ideas of our guest experts. Through our discovery, we find a path to an aligned mind, body, and business. At the Conscious Collaboration Podcast, we are proud affiliates of Atapa medical grade red light therapy devices. Red light therapy boasts a long list of clinically proven benefits, many that I and many of my clients have experienced firsthand. You can be sure that you'll be able to train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with Atapa red light therapy. Visit myatapa.com, M-Y-A-T-A-P-A.com, or use the link in our Instagram bio to shop with the code COLLAB15, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-15, for a discount on your device. Hey guys, welcome to the show. What's up, Lisa and Michelle? Hey, hey. Hi. So we're all zooming in today from different locations, but in this episode, we are going to talk about something that's really at the foundation of what we're talking about on this podcast, and it is at the core of what Lisa and Michelle are both doing in their work, and that is feng shui. So... For those who have no baseline knowledge of what feng shui is, I'm going to direct this question to Lisa. Let's get the cliff notes. What is feng shui and where did it come from? So yes, thanks, Emily. I'm going to start by giving you um, as best as I can the cliff notes of what feng shui is for those of you who are completely unfamiliar, and it does sound so foreign, but as you know, I can talk at length about feng shui. Feng shui is Chinese in origin. It's a very, very ancient practice. It's not a religion. So those of you who are wondering if what you're listening to might go against your religion, it doesn't. It's a practice. And its origins are in China thousands of years ago, I want to say 1150 to 249 BC, around that time frame. So very ancient. And it is translated to feng is wind and shui is water. So wind and water are two of the elements of nature that are studied in the five Chinese medicinal practices regarding to energy and feng shui is interrelated with these. Now in feng shui, we evaluate the five earthly elements in our regard are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And we look at these five earthly elements as a way that we can explore the meaning and experience of all human affairs. So each element of nature aligns not only with a Chinese character we call trigrams, but it also correlates with a life-containing energy. And this energy is assigned to be contained within nine different areas of any home environment, of any space, of even any surface. So... What's really cool about feng shui is 
yes, it's very ancient in its origins, but today, especially as there's a growing interest in law of attraction and quantum science, Mm -hmm. it is also interrelated there. The commonality is that we have an understanding that there is an energy contained within everything and around anything. And feng shui is a way that a person can manipulate and direct energy flow to best Mm -hmm. support them and who they are to support their holistic well-being. And what's really cool about this too is that when you practice feng shui, you not only have a better understanding of chi or life force energy. So if I can break this down a little bit further, Emily, it's like chi, as you understand it, life force energy. We talk in pop culture and we talk with our friends about, I feel so, I feel so amped up today. I feel so high vibe today. I feel so low today. I feel so stagnant. These are all our very basic understandings of chi. And that's without having any basis of feng shui. But if you can recognize in your own life where you are picking up on these energies, you have a very good foundational understanding and intuitive understanding of feng shui and working with the direction and manipulation of energy. So we all have this ability within us and we're doing it on a daily basis, but feng shui is a way to scientifically dissect it and understand it and integrate it. It's an environmental science, but it's also an art. So I like that. um, And, and Lisa, for those out there, the proper pronunciation of feng shui, I've heard feng shui, feng shui, (laughs) feng shui. (laughs) So I think the general consensus is feng shui is the way you would pronounce it. Correct. I think it depends on where you live. So I think all of those iterations of how you're saying or how you've heard feng shui is correct. It depends on where you're practicing. So in the Western world, practicing Western feng shui. So Michelle, you and I practice Black sect Tibetan Buddhist feng shui, which promotes the sharing of all of the lessons and lifestyle in the Western world. We more likely are to say feng shui. And so I think that's more common for us over here in the States, but I think you, when you get into Britain, you hear the feng shui and the other, you know, even more like the feng shui, feng shui, and they're all correct. It's just your culture where you're experiencing it. But yeah, over here in the States and in Canada, we tend to say feng shui. And, um, but still, you know, people are always like, can you spell that for me? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, and if you Google and you do one of those Google searches right now, to see, gosh, we should do that if, if I can, like see how many times feng shui is researched in Google right now today and look at the analytics because it's skyrocketing. There is such a strong desire to learn more about feng shui right now. And I think it's because more people are recognizing, I think I might be doing feng shui and I'm not quite sure if I know what it is, but there must be like so many misspellings that are typed into the Google search bar (laughs) that leads you to Mm -hmm. feng shui and some sort of like trying to, to understand it better. Yeah. So it sounds like a little bit more than maybe the stereotypical idea of it, what I heard growing up, you know, like moving your furniture around. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And with that, you know, to a person like me who wasn't exposed to it much growing up, that makes me really wonder, and for both of you guys, how did y'all get into it? So I'll, I'll start with that. (laughs) Yeah. So when you're talking about 
it makes you wonder about whether or not maybe perhaps in your youth, you might have been playing around with feng shui. And what's interesting is I think we all do. The secret ingredients to empowering any feng shui cure or being able to empower any anything, even if it's moving furniture in feng shui, is through using your intuition and your intention. And what's really cool is most children have this innate ability under the age of five, and they really gravitate towards feng shui on that level in that they can sense energy stronger than we can as adults. They can, they notice when they line things up, certainly even their toys or look, you know, even watching my own children around the house as they're doing things, they practice feng shui. Some of it I've taught Especially before they're verbal, right? Like you have to use energy to understand, to put things in context. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's, you know, children, their desires are basic and they want to know how can I sleep better? How can I feel safer or more secure? And and we know as parents too, setting up a crib the right way in the right position, your child's going to sleep better. In for a child, they know putting things in a certain proximity is going to make them feel safer and more accessible to their parents should they need something should they need food or comforting to be able to see their parents it puts them in a power position for themselves and the power position is something that ultimately we strive to work for in feng shui and what that means is providing mountain energies of protection and so this is something at a very basic level in human nature is seen even when you are walking with your friends into a meeting room and you all fight over the same chair, nine times out of 10, it's because that chair is in the power position and it has a strong surface behind it and on either side and good visibility of who's coming in the door. So that makes you the, the strongest, most comfortable, most secure person in the room and probably the best one to be in any speaking, you know, that would be the leader of the meeting, ideally. So if we're talking about the very basics of feng shui and talking about how Children understood it. I understood at a very early age, being an artist, that I could do so much better and more productive work if I had my room set up a certain way. And on the same note, if I felt stuck and I wasn't feeling any creative energy, I would move things around the room. And that meant positioning things a certain way. I didn't know feng shui was a thing to even research at that time, but I knew that there were these components that got me in the right headspace to help me be more productive, to help me be more creative, and to give me the ability to, to power through any, any place where I got stuck to focus in and do well in studies or creating artwork or anything like that. So for me, the understanding of energies and the intuition of, of that was something I explored very young, and my parents were encouraging of it. And of course, back in the day, that meant going to the library and pulling out books, <laughs> on dowsing for energy. What are those? <laughs> Books, what I know, like today I can just, you know, every day order an audio book or something if I want to learn about something or look it up on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> but um, back in the day, it meant getting out books on reflection and a refraction of light and dowsing for energy of the unseen because feng shui is about working with the energy of things that are seen and unseen. So that's pretty cool because it's having the understanding that there is more to life than 
that impacts us and what we can see with our eyes. So I would say like really, really young age that I started. And then when I went to college, I learned about feng shui in our like super huge library that we had. And I was like, oh, here it is. (laughs) That's what it's called. And you know what? The more I got into studying as an adult, feng shui is just one of the studies and schools of thought and practice that works with energy in this way in any culture, you'll find a similar practice. So, you know, in, in Scotland and in Africa and, and any culture, you're going to find a, a different version of feng shui that's interrelating with human, the land and the environment and the energy and the unseen. So this is, this is a great gateway into understanding and being able to use things is probably not the right word, but to, to garner the right energy environment around you to help you throughout your life. And so you were basically just always doing it as a child. And then once you got into college and you were able to put a name to it, that's how you decided to take it on as your life path. Yeah, I didn't take it on as a life path. I didn't realize it was a life path until an adult that it was just something I was interested in. So I just collected books about feng shui and they were confusing as heck. Like I had a whole bunch of books. I didn't know that you had or should focus on one school of thought and be proficient in it. I didn't realize there were different schools of thought. So I would be reading classical feng shui and then it's probably good to know things about other. Yeah, but you can't, they don't all work together. So it makes you feel really overwhelmed and like you're doing something wrong when you read the conflicting Mm-hmm. practices and they're only conflicting to a certain degree there's a lot of the foundation that is agreed upon but if you you might read in some textbooks you have to have your doors painted a certain color based on the mm-hmm. direction of your home well in the school of thought that michelle and i practice btb or black sect tibetan buddhist feng shui the more westernized school it doesn't matter which color you paint the door based on purely the direction But we do take into consideration the environment around the door, the light that hits it during the day and how that color may may translate. We don't pick it necessarily based on my house is facing south, so I'm going to have a red door. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I'm not bashing. That probably is true for like a lot of different disciplines as far as like having different schools of thought and some, some of the ideas overlap and some of them conflict. You could say the same about medicine or fitness or you know, business, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. And I think that I didn't realize it was going to be something that was my life path journey until I just kind of played with feng shui throughout my life to just enhance my own life. I would use it at work when I was in, I worked in lifestyle TV and marketing and lifestyle TV. And I found it was really useful to have the set space set up in such a way that it supported those who were presenting in a manner that was exuding the energy that would be attracting of who was watching on the other side of the camera. So again, intuitively, I knew it was something that would be welcoming and well-received. And the idea was to enhance engagement in television and keeping people tuned in. And it wasn't until I left (laughs) that corporate world and TV world that I then had the epiphany that why am I just not doing this all the time? This is what I enjoy. This is like the crux of this is who I am. I want to be doing this more. Mm, Really great story. How about you, Michelle? How did you get into feng shui? Yeah. So thanks to you, Emily, actually. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Emily, I think we've kind of covered this in another episode, but it's because of Emily that the three of us all met. Well, it's really intuitively meant to be, you know, but I met Lisa working out with Emily and this was last year. I've been going through a transition for a while of, you know, that heart tug that I want to have, you know, I want to be in my own business and what direction am I going? And so since I was little, I kind of along the lines of with Lisa, so I did like event planning for a while. I had a little business doing that. And I've always been one that was like super tuned into the teeny tiny details and they were always really important. And whenever I'd put things together, those little details that nobody else normally would notice, people would notice and want to be like, wow, I never would have even thought of that kind of thing. And that just totally shifted whatever the project was I was doing. So, and in my own home, kind of, you know, like Lisa said, my space, I always wanted it to feel a certain way because it was my safe space. So, you know, it was that more of that feeling. I'm more empathic with things. So it's just like that energy. And I didn't know at the time it was, I was, you know, shifting energy around. Right. I, I had no idea, but you can always tell if you walk in a room, if the energy's light or if it's heavy, you just get that. I think everybody can feel that they just don't know how to develop those gifts sometimes. Mm -hmm. So over the years, like I said, I was always decorating and always, you know, people were having me, can you come help me decorate this room and yada, yada, and doing lots of events, putting together fun parties, like <laughs> always going all out for parties and just putting things in certain places where people would notice and it would just make them feel good kind of thing. But I didn't know again, at the time that I was manipulating energy and, and manipulating the space to make people feel better. So once I met Lisa and I found out about feng shui and we sat down and she teaches feng shui and has her school and they were just getting ready to start another class. And I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> this is great. Mm. This sounds great. So I just jumped in and yeah, I took the class and graduated from the school. And then now here I am doing it, but you know, a it's, it's tremendously helped me in my own life. And I also having the business corporate background with healthcare businesses and such, I'm using it in a way to actually work with health and wellness businesses mm -hmm. and helping their spaces but not just that, helping them accomplish goals that they want to meet for the year, you know, whether it's more abundance, more clients, just, you know, depending on whatever they're looking for. And it's been very successful so far. And yeah. um, I mean, yeah. I, I have every person I've worked with has had something big happen after we've changed their space. But like you said, it's not just about moving couches around. Yeah. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that at all. It's sometimes you're not even moving anything. You might just right. be adding a color in or right. removing something. I don't know, you know, so. Well, and that's kind of the next thing I wanted to touch on too, for the average person or the business person, anyone who's interested in aligning their mind, body, and business practices, what are some ways that feng shui can fit into that day-to-day -day practically? Why should they care? 
Oh, that's a good question. So I like the way you said that, you know, how and why would they want to fit feng shui into their day to day, because it's very much a practice and a lifestyle it's a way of living more holistically attuned and aligned with the iteration of you that you desire to become. So like Michelle was alluding to everything around you within your sanctuary is and it should be a sanctuary full and built in and empowered by your intention. That's the way we all deserve to live. And if you think about it, it can seem overwhelming. You might like be looking around your environment, your house right now and thinking, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. But like Michelle said, just doing a few simple things can make a huge difference. And what I like to tell people right off the bat is the energy contained within your home, it starts outside. So that's one thing that Steve and I, so Steve is my partner in the intrinsic school of feng shui. And we talk about in our very early classes that the energy begins outside. So how are you welcoming energy is also how you're welcoming opportunities. And it also affects how well you're able to receive the opportunities that are all around you. And so if you think about even your entrance to your home or your workplace or any room for that matter, that's the mouth of chi. So the mouth of chi is the architectural, architecturally determined front door. It's not the door that you use the most. It's not the garage door, the back door. If you come in that way the most, it's the door designed to be your front door. So that's why you hear so much talk about what color should I paint my door. In our practice, Michelle and I want our front doors to be welcoming and attractive, easy to find, because that's how the energy is going to be received and attracted in for you. So it all starts there. And it can be very simple. Just get a new doormat or even just get a broom and sweep the front entrance every couple of days if you can. And that does a lot. Make sure you open that front door and at least bring the mail in a few times in the week. Even if you can just leave the door open a little bit longer while you're trying to manifest something in your life or business. It all starts outside your home and make sure it's a place that's appealing and friendly. You're not going to trip and fall down because you don't want to trip or stall your opportunities. So with all of these ideas, you can come up with your own feng shui cure by just cleaning your front door, by sprucing up the hardware, changing the hardware, putting a pretty bell, putting flowers on either side to make it more attractive, especially at a time when you're trying to manifest something or buying or selling a house. So that would be my first tip. And I I think (laughs) Michelle has some good ones. And I have a just a quick question that popped up to kind of bounce off of that. What if people are concerned about letting quote unquote bad chi in? Yeah, that's a a good question too. So you Mm -hmm. want to have, again, very strong intentions and what you will allow, just like we have boundaries with people in our life. And if you need some sort of something, so each object, if you will, that object of energy that, or even just energy that we place within our home is imbued with intention. So you can empower an object. You see food dogs at front doors and traditional Chinese decor, which I happen to really like food dogs and decor, especially I think they're so cute in gardens, but those, those are like the guardians of your space. And so if you like those, you could use those, but you could also use something that other people can't see. I like to work with crystals. You could use black crystals are very protective, but anything that you want to empower, you could hide the crystals 
in a door frame with the intention to protect you from any bad energy coming in. There are okay. feng shui mirrors too, but we try not to use those. That's what I was going to say too. You can, if you wanted to, there's yeah. mirrors you can actually put above your door outside of your house. And the idea is that it's reflecting the bad energy off, but then you want to be careful because if you really get in down into it, you're reflecting it to your neighbor. <laughs> so like mm. you, there's all these small intricacies. If you really get, you know, deep yeah. you, that you can really get deep into it. But yeah, some of those things Lisa said were also, um, you can do space clearings and blessings. You know, if you feel the energy stagnant, there's little different rituals you can do with that as well. Michelle, I was interested in the practical application you were talking about of literally applying the feng shui to the business's outcomes, not just the yes. space, but yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can literally write down your goals and feng shui your goals without even really doing anything much to, you know, like I said, it's not all about design and this and that there's and that's kind of like what Lisa was saying. It's more like the application of the intention. Yeah. So a lot of it has the, the exactly the intention behind it. An example, I just recently had a client that she wanted to be the top acupuncturist for 2022. And so we did some stuff to her space. One of the intentions with that would be to hang her certifications in a specific spot in her treatment room to, you know, nourish that area. If, you know, you're looking for those type of things, which would be a reputation kind of thing. And anyways, long story short, two weeks later, she was awarded the top acupuncturist 2022, but we put a lot of intention into that. And, you know, it was one of the things where she already had her awards. They just weren't in the right room and we just kind of moved them, but she hung them, like I said, with the thought as she was hanging them that this is what she wanted to achieve. And so, yeah, there's just there's so much more to it. That's really, really. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you both, I think is that feng shui can be used to achieve your goals in a broad sense. Yeah, 100% your goals are personal, emotionally related, home related, or business career related, physically related. Otherwise, that's really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately feng shui is just another type of modality to, you know, manifest, have abundance, have success, have, you to know, get it together. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, if Michelle, shui, is, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is something that you hear talked about too, but there's a great desire to live harmoniously and more sustainably right now mm-hmm. and to have more to feel of a sense of like peace and balance. Yeah. Peace and balance. And like, you can warm up spaces by bringing in items from the outdoors. That's part of the reason why plants are so popular right now. Every environment mm-hmm. on Instagram has a plant wall and it's that just greater desire to be more harmonious with nature. Mm. And for some phases of design and architecture, there was a trend to get into like a colder, cleaner, less natural mm-hmm. feeling 
environment and it felt strange you know there weren't enough windows mm-hmm. at one time there weren't enough plants yeah or opportunities for that and that negatively that negatively impacts sleep quality and uh, ability to nourish yourself yeah. yeah well it's literally a human need to connect with nature i even work that in as part of the iron yogi fitness foundations so really great exactly. stuff now lisa As you guys have touched on a couple of times, you actually have your own school of feng shui. Why do you believe so strongly in sharing feng shui that you would open up your own school, that you would embark on this podcast based largely around it and, you know, make it your life's work? Why do you believe so strongly? believe so strongly in it. My master's and grandmaster professor, Lin Yoon, who is the developer of Black sect Tibetan Buddhist Feng Shui and who westernized it, the more common practices that we study today, I had such a high regard for the bravery that he and my masters below him were willing to take a risk and shake things up because Feng Shui for thousands of years was a secret only for people who already had power to keep them powerful. So you know you took the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when and you're not allowed to do it. <laughs> it was very underground. And certainly there were political reasons for that, mm-hmm. wanting to keep people enthroned and in power. But I had such a high regard for the people that took it upon, that, were, that trained in secret and found ways we can share feng shui with the masses so each person can enhance their life journey because at the root of all feng shui is the tai chi and the understanding and the polarity of for every good there's a bad and vice versa and so the with the ups and downs of and cycles of life it can feel very roller coaster and scary and for those who were taking the stand and and saying everyone should be empowered with these things to help regain some sense or feeling of control during these cycles. It's really bold to do so and very caring. And, you know, and I'm, I'm an Aquarius. I'm all about wanting to help humanity on a bigger level. And so I just gravitated towards people that aligned with me in that in wanting to help the greater good. So my partner in the Intrinsic School of Feng Shui and my friends with the International Feng Shui Guild and my students in the guild we're all like an army of good, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, we do things collectively all around the world to help raise the vibration and to to help be Mm. healing as we can. Yes. Michelle, I know that feng shui has helped you a lot personally as well. Why do you believe so strongly in sharing it? Yeah. So I talked about before that most of my life I've, you know, suffered with anxiety, um, panic attacks, And, you know, I didn't talk about it for the longest time, but I feel like I want to be open about it now to share, to help others. And since finding feng shui and doing, you know, small projects in my own home, it's significantly, and this is by no means a medical advice. (laughs) I just want to make that statement. But for me personally, it significantly has, it shifts the energy enough that it helps me 
along with other, you know, tools in my toolkit. Now it helps me to sustain a more peaceful and calming environment, which I mean, it has significantly shifted my anxiety as long as I keep up with it. And it's just like, you know, and this is just an easy little tip for anybody that they can try in their home is, you know, say you have a table, a dining room table, it seems to be one of the ones that stuff always just gets thrown on and it's just left there. And, and every time I, you know, you'd walk by the table, you just get anxious, just looking at it because it's, you know, that you want to have that table cleaned off, but it's just collecting mail and this and that and the other. So just decluttering that and then going to sleep at night and waking up in the morning and walking by a fresh, clean, just a waiting table to actually be sat at is, you know, and that's just a silly example, but it's true. It, it just makes such a difference. And that's so, something easy that you can do it, right now. It reminds me of <laughs> a toxic trait of mine, which is like, if I'm in that situation, I'll just make neat little piles. Like I'll make, <laughs> yep, I'll make piles of <laughs> the mess instead of letting it be a cluttered mess. Does that count? <laughs> that's getting you halfway there yeah she can flow in between the piles exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> closer and closer to the to the trash can yeah. but uh, that example was actually a real life example for my own we had just moved into our home and we all got the got, table. <laughs> yeah and recently if it's not that it's a counter right a mm-hmm, kitchen counter yeah. and we just got this beautiful table that I envisioned we would sit down and have meals at and instead it became a catch-all for a little mm-hmm. bit and I literally would tense up walking and it's going from my living room into my kitchen or I have to walk by it all the time so I would tense up and so once I just removed all of that the air, I I can't describe it until you just do it, you know, and feel the difference in your space. And that Um, was actually going to be my next question for both of you guys. What would be your top, say, handful of easy tips for anybody to infuse feng shui into their life like right now? Yeah. My first one would be declutter wherever you can. If you're a person that might have a few areas that need help, pick your top one or two that really just, you can tell when you're in that area, like it bugs you. I would say if it's a bedroom or like a dinner table where you're supposed to be sharing energy with your family, I would pick those, you know, declutter. And then another one quickly that people wouldn't even think about that you can do is clean your windows in your home. You want to have nice, clean, crystal clear windows for the sun to come in and just to light up your rooms. And especially in Florida with all the pollen anyways, you won't, you, you know, you want to have nice, clean windows. So Those are uh, two super easy ones. I'm sure you have many more, Lisa. What you got, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I would say aside from making your mouth of chi and your entrance really attracting and inviting, to add on to that is if you can and you have an intention that you're setting each and every day, and this can become a good daily practice because what feng shui does is it reinforces an idea within your brain, like a level of awareness, all the levels of your consciousness, it reinforces and it helps to integrate intention and action and embodiment within yourself. So one tip I like to say in regards to the entrance, especially if you're getting ready to put your house up for sale, or you're intending to attract in a lot of abundance, 
is to turn on your lights on the exterior of your house a little bit earlier. Oh. Make sure they're spruced up and clean to the point that Michelle said to make sure there's no cobwebs, that they look shiny and you have the right light bulbs in them. So leave them on a little bit longer and turn them on and, and with your intention, really visualize what you desire and then have a mantra. So a mantra is using your voice and reinforcing what you desire. It can be a prayer. It can be a mantra that we use. I like to use Om Mane Padme Home. And then to say it nine times while you're doing this. So turn on your lights, really feel and visualize your desires if it's already happening. And that is activating, that's attracting and magnetizing. So just turn on your lights a little bit longer and make a, a ritual out of it and say it nine times. We use the number nine in feng shui. Grand master professor Lin Yun taught us to use the number nine as often as possible because it symbolizes completion. It's very lucky and it will further strengthen your intention to help it bring it into actualization. So that's probably one of my favorite tips. And certainly if you're even thinking about marketing your house for sale and you start turning on that light a little bit longer and you just spruce it up, you might get some activity before you even put a listing on the market. Mm, cool. So that's probably one of my favorites. Good tips. And I'm going to add my little amateur feng shui tip that I learned from both of you guys. And that is to close the lid on your toilet, <laughs> close the lid and close your bathroom door. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. Life changing. The dream. <laughs> Life changing. Don't let and the not let good yeah. flow out down the drain, right? Yes. Right. Money when Flows they say in money. The door, but we don't want it to flow down the drain. Yeah, money down the drain is, is what we yes. say. It's bad stuff. <laughs> Something that I've found really cool as I've worked with Lisa for gosh, well over a year now, is the way that we've been able to incorporate feng shui in little ways into the gym environment. And of course, this is a yoga studio as well. So it's easy to understand why you would want the energy to be nice and light and flowing in a yoga studio. But as it applies to the gym, you know, I think you can draw a lot of parallels there that you wouldn't necessarily think of. I mean, I know for a very concrete example, Lisa suggested that I put a disco ball in the abundance area of the gym. And at a certain time of day, like right now, it starts when the sun hits a certain place, it starts to light up. And this whole room looks like a crystal. It's really cool. So it's like you're working out in a crystal, something I never thought I'd want to do, but, (laughs) Uh, and I think also thinking about the whole idea of just putting intention into what you do is like feng shuiing your workout too, right? Like how, you know, I'm always telling you to approach every lift with almost a mini ritual, you know, you want to be very focused and you want to have the intention of like picking up this bar and putting it back down in a very 
certain way. Well, and the so, mind to muscle connection. Too. Mind to muscle connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And then just the space, of course, because I, I often describe, you know, working out as being very healing and very therapeutic for me. And I think that I'm sure that if the environment were not as pleasant, then that would affect the healing and therapeutic capabilities of what we're doing in here. So I, for one, am very appreciative of its applications into all kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Do you guys have any thoughts on that, on applying feng shui to a workout space? Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons why people are attracted to your, the studio, even in St. Pete, is because of the energy that's contained. Yeah, that's literally the first thing that comes out of a lot of people's mouth when they come in here is just something about like, wow, the energy in here is great. So it's like by no accident that you attract the people, the, the right kind of people into your space, like me mm-hmm. and Michelle and, mm-hmm. and others that, of your teachers and mm-hmm. And yep. friends, because it's just like a beacon to attract people of good energy and it mm-hmm. keeps out bad. Yeah. And we've watched you and your space grow in such a short time, Emily, and blossom just from implementing some of these, some of yeah. these practices. I'm sure that so, has fun to do with it. Yeah. I like that you mentioned to the disco ball too, because that's not mm. like a traditional Chinese right. pure. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ancient Chinese disco ball. <laughs> So we like to work with modern ways of achieving what the ancients did. And you can certainly personalize it to be as modern as you are comfortable. And disco balls are fun. And and modern feng shui practitioners, we saw it as a a trend that Mm -hmm. light is one of the biggest manifestations of chi and one of the best Mm -hmm. ways to direct chi. We saw the disco balls popping up in our feed and we're like, hey, you know what? That does the same thing as a feng shui crystal in terms of reflecting the chi around the room and you see that those rainbows that you're, are being thrown around your mm-hmm. studio right now is is the chi mm-hmm. dancing all around so and you'll see I'm like even my children and animals they love to lie in rainbows you know if if they're being reflected <laughs> yeah so it's very healing and it helps to to harmonize yeah I suppose there's a reason why rainbows are considered like you know a symbol of happiness right like what do we say oh it's not all kittens and rainbows (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and and, you know and in your your practice you you do a lot of work with chakra and that so the healing color the healing nature of color itself yeah we know that there's an energy contained in color Mm mm-hmm So another one of the things that I've enjoyed about getting to know you and what you're doing is the I Ching readings. Now I've utilized them in both a group setting where you kind of talk about the general energies and on another level, they've helped me quite a bit on a personal level. You've done some personal readings for me. So I want you to talk a little more about the I Ching and get into what we plan to do with this podcast, which is to give you guys some I Ching readings in certain episodes, 
just to end things off and give you sort of a direction for your upcoming week. So can you tell us a little bit about the I Ching and then we'll close out with one of your signature readings. Yeah, so the I Ching or pronounced Yi Ching, it's spelled I Ching. <laughs> just to be really confusing to everybody if you're looking for the book and you yeah, want to play along with us, <laughs> you can find it on Amazon. You can Google I Ching and you'll find many different translations in numerous languages of the ancient Chinese text of the Yi Jing. And it is also historically known as the Book of Changes, and it is the foundation of feng shui. And it's the environmental science that King Wen, founder of the Chao Dynasty, wrote essays on the meanings of all of the 64 iterations of hexagrams. So the ancient, the Book of Changes is used in a divinatory way, similar to how tarot cards are used to help read energy. The Book of Changes has been used by many for thousands of years to have a better understanding of how we face adversity in life, the cycles that I described. And there's so many different iterations of what can result of how you divine of the Yi Jing. You can use cards to divine of the Yi Jing, which I love to do because they're quick, or you could use Chinese coins or three Chinese coins or three any coins, as long as you can mark a heads and tails on it. And there's other versions. So what we like to do as practitioners in reading of the Yi Jing is to learn more about the energy of a situation so we can know how to move forward easier with more confidence and conviction and it can be used in any area of life from business to relationships to really anything right down to what we might do within a space or even which location needs more assistance in feng shui we could there's so many ways that we can use it so even within the feng shui guild we use the jing before we begin any board meeting for example so it's a great way to set the tone and in this case it gives us an opportunity to explore a lot of things for who's tuning in and listening to us. We can get a read on our energy and get some takeaways. So maybe even homework, if you will, that everyone can walk mm. away with and give some thought. Lots of different uses for it. So let's end this way. I'll keep it really brief. I'm going to be using the Jane cards. They're faster. And typically I pull two cards and ask a general question of the Jing as if it's an ancient oracle or person, a wise person, <laughs> and say my please and thank you. So let's think of something we can ask of the Jing together using our intuition based on where we are today in this energy and what we hope to accomplish in this episode, <laughs> or really, really for the masses. What do you think the masses could benefit from and who's joining us today? So I'm kind of just checking in with the cards here. So I would say just to get the conversation going is please tell us what is the general energy around those joining us today and what do they need to know right now in order to move forward towards their goal with more clarity and ease and confidence. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Okay, please. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Please tell me what is the current energy around those who are joining us today in the conscious collaboration and share with us what do we need to know at this time so we can move forward 
towards our goal with more clarity and ease and confidence. So first, and this doesn't surprise me because it's in the collective, as of late, you ladies, since you're kind of following along with me, might recognize it's hexagram number 19, the approach of spring. And um, that's that's pretty literal too. (laughs) Yeah. So this Uh, As you can see, there's many different versions I could have chosen from and it has reappeared. So it's not an accident that this energy keeps coming up in the readings because it's, it's there. So I'm looking at what the changing energy is. So what are we shifting towards? But tell us a lot. And it's hexagram number 50, the cauldron. Really cool. So, and these cards I use have really beautiful artwork. And I know you ladies like that. But so if you're following along at home, write down hexagram number 19 and hexagram 50. Hexagram 19 tells us there's a lot going on in the divine. So I'm going to start from the approach of spring and look at the changing energies. So I know that in a divine sense from the heavens, there's some influence that's impacting what we must be looking for in order to move forward with more clarity and ease within the energy of this podcast episode. So it's no accident you guys are listening right now. If you are, take some notes on this. There's a change in line six, a change in line four, a change in line three, and a change in line one there's a lot of changing energy going on right now. So when forces of good begin to prevail, people of influence take notice and men and women of ability are drawn to the center of action. If you sense such movement, you are advised to join in, but don't let yourself be swept away by the tide of events. Careful movement brings the best fortune. So if you're feeling called (laughs) to stick around with us in our mission, perhaps, This might be an affirmation for you tuning in if you're getting caught up in this energy. When things are going very well, you face the danger of becoming too relaxed and careless. Enjoy your successes, but remain mindful of how you have achieved them. There is a natural tendency to feel carefree once you're ahead, but the great players keep challenging themselves until the end of the game. An open-minded approach brings success. Organizations that value performance over superficial qualities advance more quickly than those that take a complacent or clicky attitude. Avoid prejudices against those of different backgrounds. When laziness creeps into your personal life, radical action may be necessary to change this energy. And then lastly, when a sage returns from seclusions to re-enter the day-to-day world, good fortune falls on those they teach and help. Seek objective advice from those you respect, particularly those who have not been caught up in your worldly affairs. Their perceptions may provide you with a fresh new perspective. Spring is a season of new relationships. In the bounty of good times, new bonds are formed effortlessly. Relationships born in spring can serve well to warm us in the following autumn and winter. And that shifts us into the cauldron. Lisa. Before you go into the cauldron, so in one or two sentences, can you summarize that for folks that might be kind of their minds blown right now? So what would the main takeaway from that? Yeah, I'll summarize the section and then I'll summarize the entirety of it all too. So things should be feeling pretty good right now. You might feel that things are flowing in easily, especially if you're hanging around the right people that are doing what you're trying to achieve for the greater good. But this doesn't mean that you should stop doing all the hard work or, you know, and certainly things shouldn't always be hard, but you need to be putting in the work. You need to be embodying. Don't get complacent. 
Yes. Yes. Just because things are celebrated and they should be celebratory and joyful doesn't mean you can coast on that forever. So use in a good way, utilize those around you in the celebratory time as counsel so that when you have this period of downtime, which will inevitably come in the seasons of life, so that you have the foundations and the support to nourish you in a time that might not be as fruitful. So it's also talking about shifting into the idea of the cauldron, which is the energies of fire above and wind below. And it talks about the energies of nourishment and rejuvenation. And those words come up a lot and as we talk about feng shui and energy, but this is a good reminder that joy comes to those who bring joy to others. So that's very nourishing energy. And the opportunity comes to those who persist in their dreams. So it's always good to surround yourself with dreamers, but it's really valuable to stick by people who are going to persist in the pursuit of their dreams. And as you're talking about perhaps collaborating and surrounding yourself with people who are going to who are going to persist and really go after what they're envisioning right now. So rejuvenation is returning to one's natural desires and the recharging of battery that comes from making progress towards one's aspirations. So this suggests that nourishment and transformation for people is good fortune and it happens for people of goodwill. So good fortune and success are indicated for people in this energy with us today, tuning in. And anytime they receive this message, anytime they, this should be speaking to them right now. So really pay attention to how well you're sleeping, how well you're feeding yourself and taking care of your body and the, and the temple and being fit is important at this time to help you sustain success and happiness better, especially in the autumn and winters of life when things might not be as pretty (laughs) or feel as good, really. So overall, I think if you're here, it's for the right place and right time in the conscious collaboration, as we're talking about manifesting our best selves and, and really taking things up a bigger notch than just just focusing on mindset or just focusing on our, our body or image. What everyone here is, is doing is showing up with intent to do something that others might not be as brave to do. Excellent reading. Awesome. Thank you for that. So lastly, if you guys could each tell our listeners where they can find you and get into more of what you're doing individually with feng shui. Yeah, I have an Instagram page. It's visionary business design. I also have a website. Are there some underscores in that? There is underscores. Yes. Visionary underscore business underscore design. Uh Uh-huh. And also my website, visionarybusinessdesign.com. There is an option there to book a consultation with me or to book a 15 minute phone call to see if it's something, you know, if you're interested and see if we could collaborate together. Yeah. And more to come soon. Excellent. How about you, Lisa? Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram as well, cloud9fengshui, and that will point you to the links in my bio. The link tree there will take you to all of the resources I offer from the Intrinsic School of Feng Shui to learning more about the International Feng Shui Guild, of which I'm a member of the board of directors, or my YouTube channel if you enjoy the Yijing and you want to get a weekly reading in addition to the one that we offer, this smaller collective 
and seemed to be a huge collective. Yeah. And getting big. And it'll also take you to access if you are female and you are a high vibe entrepreneur and you desire to collaborate with us on a deeper level in that sense, you can find the Facebook group High Vibe Entrepreneurial Women and hook up with me there. In that group, I only accept in women who are resonating at a certain frequency to be able to integrate very well into that group and we can all grow and evolve together. Excellent. Well, this has been a really great and informative chat with you guys. I think we have left people with a brand new knowledge of feng shui and why and how it can be useful in their lives. Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 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 Thank y'all so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends so they can join our circle of collaboration on this journey. You can find us on Instagram at Conscious Collaboration Podcast, on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible, to name a few. Please join us next time for another deep dive into how you can live life in more alignment, mind, body, and business. Send us your questions and comments in our DMs or email us at consciouscollaborationpodcast at gmail.com. See you in five minutes.